Hello, and welcome to Season 4 of the E3 Podcast, Energy and Efficiency with Emily. I'm your host, Emily Mottram. This season, we're going to talk about building science, female entrepreneurship, and the built environment. Prepare to get nerdy. So welcome back to the podcast. I'm really excited about this. We often talk about different materials, so I'm excited to talk about metal roofs today, and I want to introduce our guest, Todd Miller. So Todd, tell us who you are uh, and what you've been up to. Sure. Thanks so much for uh, inviting me on the show. I've enjoyed listening to your episodes, love looking at your website and all the beautiful designs, and I see a number of metal roofs on there as well. So uh, yeah, so I'm president of Isaiah Industries, which is a manufacturer of kind of what we call specialty residential metal roofing. So we do manufacture standing seam. Um, Of course, standing seam has become sort of a regionalized business because it can be so difficult to ship those long panels far distances. Um, So we do some of that, but our real specialty is uh, what we call metal shingles or modular metal panels. So uh, we produce about 10 or 11 different profiles of uh, metal shake, shingle, slate, tile profiles. And we produce products in both steel and aluminum as well as some copper um, and ship them all over the country and do a fair amount of export with them as well. I have so many questions and part of why we came on today is just to talk about metal roofs in general. So anybody out there listening, make sure that you click the link in the show notes that I'll put in there that connects to uh, Todd's company so that you can uh, take a look at all the cool things that they're doing. But uh, to kick us off and get started, uh, you made a recommendation and I would love to start off with this is what is the history of metal roofing? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, and I, it could be a very long story. I'll try to keep it fairly short, but, you know, there's actual references in the Bible even. So, you know, we believe that there were, there was copper being used as roofing three, four, 5,000 years ago. Um, so fairly long history. Uh, here in the United States, uh, we saw a lot of metal starting to happen in the late 1800s and early 1900s. And that was really with the advancement of the Iron Age or, you know, well, it was beyond the Iron Age, but industrialization and being able to make um, sheets of metal. And so a lot of those early metal roofs were hand formed. Uh, However, interestingly, there were also a number of metal shingles uh, being made back in the Victorian era. And uh, I still run into those on pretty regular occasion when I get into some older towns and cities as as long as folks have kept those old roofs painted and and in good repair um they have had extremely long useful lives i think that's something that we tend to see here more in the united states and you know i think there are some countries that do this more than others which is that we don't do quite as much on the continual maintenance right so when i did my um study abroad when I was in architecture school, we went to Rome. And I mean, there are buildings in Rome that have been there for forever, sure, right? Sure. And there could be a front door that's wooden. We think, oh, wood rots or whatever, but there could be a front door that's wooden that's 500 years old that they just kept scraping and painting. And so it's interesting to me to hear you talk about the Victorian age and metal shingles and 
and still seeing some of those, because one of the things you, you said, when you looked at our website that we do some metal roofs, um, when we can afford to do metal roofs, we often do that, especially, um, with solar because the solar panels, once you put them up there, you know, the longevity of a metal roof is just a lot longer. And so, um, you know, if we can do it so that we're not taking off the solar panels to put in a new asphalt roof or something, we want to, we want to do that. So there's definitely pros to, to us doing it, but you look at it and you go, okay, if you, if you continued to paint it or you continued to maintain it, how many of these old houses would have metal roofs still then? So to me, I think it's, it's really, it's really so cool that you guys are doing, you know, the, the shingles and that metal roofing is still a proponent because, you know, as you know, from listening to my podcast, you know, we're really concerned about the longevity of the products that we put in our building. So, you know, so based on your research, um, with metal roofing and your, you know, even just your company's, uh, metal roofing is what is the lifespan of a metal roof typically? Yeah, it's a great question. So today, and, and you're right, we tend not to like to maintain things the way that we used to. So one of the big advancements for the metal roofing industry was a particular type of paint finish um, called PVDF or polyvanildine fluoride that was developed really back in the 60s, um, heavily started to commercialize it for metal roofing in the 80s and into the 90s. With these types of finishes though, it should easily be 45, 50, 55 years, depending upon UV exposure. Before someone looks up and says, gee whiz, that roof is you know, faded enough, lost enough color um, that I'd like to repaint it. Uh, I know my wife and I uh, have had a metal roof on the house that we're in now that was installed 26 years ago. And we still have folks stop by and say, oh, wow, you got a new roof. Um, it really, really looks, looks like brand new still 26 years later. And, you know, we're located in Ohio, so fairly moderate UV exposure. And yeah, I would easily think that roof will be 50 years before uh, an owner of the home might say, oh, I think I'll repaint it. And that's the nice thing, you know, paint, uh, field painting has come along so far uh, over the years that a lot of the field applied systems can easily be 25, 30 year fi finishes as well. Uh, so once you start that process of maintaining through repainting, it's not an every year thing at that point either. So are there things that we should be doing in preparation for our metal roofs to extend the longevity of the roof? You know, like we do rain screens behind our siding or we do, you know, vented sections. Is, is there something that would really help to improve the performance of a metal roof? You know, we really don't see a lot in terms of ventilation as having an impact on the roof performance itself. Now, that certainly has a big impact on energy efficiency and home health as far as keeping moisture out of the home and so forth. But as far as the life of the roof, it doesn't seem to really have an impact on it. And, you know, that's one of the reasons that metal roofing uh, has been kind of a preferred choice for um, SIP panel homes, uh, various types of insulated systems uh, where they don't have any ventilation and they're concerned about some roofing materials on top of that. I think one of the biggest things, though, that you can do is um, 
probably have a metal roofing contractor come to look at the roof maybe every 10 to 15 years uh, just to make sure that none of the sealants are starting to break down or none of the flashings, pipe flashings around the plumbing, uh, plumbing pipes are starting to break down. Uh, nice thing is if the, if the roof has been installed right, really none of those things are exposed. So even pipe boots uh, we will cover with metal so that it's protected from the UV. Uh, but still, you know, having someone fairly knowledgeable take a look every 10, 15 years is certainly not a bad choice just to make sure that there isn't something minor that needs to be done. I know my roof, again, 26 years, we haven't done anything on it in that 26 years. I'm um, probably like the cobbler and, the, and his kids that need shoes, though. I, I probably should take a look at it sometime. That's always the, the joke, right? Is that, you know, the architect's house, the builder's house, the roofer's house, right? We're always experimenting with all the things on our own houses <laughs> so true. that we can, we can make recommendations for what we do for our clients. Um, so in terms of that, um, what's your thought or pro or con to say you only have a single layer of shingles? Uh, roof over it or take them off? What's the pros and cons of roofing over an existing asphalt shingle roof? Well, I mean, certainly the pros are, are some cost savings. And, you know, one of the ways we look at it is the homeowner may, uh, by having that cost savings of not removing the old shingle, uh, that will give them some extra money to invest in a, in a roof upgrade. Um, so that's certainly one of the benefits. Another benefit is uh, obviously saving landfill uh, space. And I can't quote you the statistics off the top of my head, but they're pretty staggering as far as the number of asphalt shingles we dump in landfills every year. Um, and I think finally, um, you know, there is some benefit to, even though asphalt shingles don't have much R value to them, uh, having them in place on that outer layer, if they're not hurting anything else, there is some R value to it. Now, all that said, um, standing seam generally does not go over old shingles and most manufacturers would not recommend that. Uh, standing seam needs a fairly smooth, even surface for installation. Uh, if you don't have a smooth surface, you run the risk of uh, forcing what we call oil canning into the panels or ripples into the panels. Um, but when you get into some of the corrugated panels or like we discussed, uh, like we specialize in some of the metal shingles and modular panels that are already very textured, have a lot of strength built into the metal from the way it's been formed. Uh, those are really quite ideal uh, for going over old shingles. And there's nothing to worry about as far as, you know, some kind of abrasion or whatever is in the asphalt um, causing any kind of corrosion from the underside of the panels or moisture potentially getting stuck in between the two and causing yeah. some kind of an issue? It's an excellent question. And my advice, I kind of skipped over this, didn't think about it, but my advice is to install a layer of underlayment over the shingles before the metal is installed. Uh, to protect the backside of the metal. And much of our industry has switched to synthetic underlayments. Uh, those are kind of the norm. Uh, so a premium, good quality synthetic underlayment over the old shingles uh, will keep any abrasion from happening. Um, it's kind of funny. I was at trade association meetings last week. And one of the things I brought up was uh, the IBC building code is a little bit nebulous on whether if you go over asphalt shingles, you should put down a new underlayment. 
And one of the things I was pushing for last week is we really need to get some definition on that because uh, there's a lot of lack of clarity as to whether the code requires it or not. Yeah, and there's there's always a, a lot of um, a lack of clarity as to you know what's good practice, what's best practice, and what's what's required, right? Like what what's the point of putting on a 50, 60 year roof uh, over top of something that one simple step, right? Cause a lot of the synthetic, you know, underlayments too are not terribly expensive, right? When right. we're talking about replacing a roof, that's not the most expensive part of doing it, you know? And so having that extend the longevity as best practice or required is, you know, just, good practice, right? That's what we should right. be. That's what we're going for, right? We're trying to keep these asphalt shingles out of the landfill, or we're trying to uh, extend the life of the metal roof that we're using, or we're trying to build resiliency into our buildings, right? So if this one extra little step is the right step to really having a much longer lifespan for all of these things, I, I totally get behind you, you know, in, in trying to say like what's required and what, what should we be doing? Because the code really is about best practices, right? Is, right. you know, that we're saying these are things that are required because it's been based on years of history of people looking at stuff and saying, Hey, this is how we protect our buildings, which is, um, and our occupants and everything else. Right. So, um, you touched a little bit about this briefly. Um, but what are the different styles of you know, metal roofing? So you say metal roofing to an architect, I think beautiful standing seam, sure. but I know that there are, and as you already mentioned, um, you know, there, there are metal shingles and other things. So what are the different styles that are available in metal roofing for people who aren't familiar with, the options. Sure. So let's kind of start with where I look at as entry level. And, you know, that's what we call through fastened roofing. And some folks might call it corrugated because it literally is sheets of corrugated metal. Um, they get set up on the roof and you drill holes in the panels and drive screws through those holes and you just fasten through the roof direct with exposed fasteners. And of course, the fasteners are uh, a quality screw with a rubber grommet around them. And that type of exposed fastener panel has been used extensively in the agricultural uh, industry for years. Um, but we are seeing it use some residential. A um, lot of folks are not a big fan of it. I, I would say I'm probably in that camp um, of not being a big fan of it for residential use because you really have to stay on top of those fasteners. Uh, they tend to back out over time. And if they back out and water starts to get in around them, you can have some real problems on your hands before you know it. Um, but again, anyway, that's again, what I call entry level. Uh, standing seam roofing um, by definition has concealed fasteners. So you don't have those exposed screw heads with standing seam roofing. And standing seam of course has uh, raised ribs between the panels. There are two basic types of, of standing seam panels. Uh, one is uh, what we call an architectural or non-structural panel. Um, this is typically a, what's called a snap lock panel. So one panel gets fastened down, gets fastened on the roof either with hidden clips or sometimes with a hidden fastening flange. And the next panel just comes and snaps and locks right down over it. 
Um, that's kind of the basic um, standing seam that can be used typically on roofs down to 212. And then we also have what we call mechanically seam standing seam. So when you get into low pitch metal roofs, such as might be on monumental buildings or churches or factories or warehouses or big box stores, um, those are typically mechanically seamed. So similar process in that the panels have been put down on the roof and they've been fastened with hidden clips. But when the next panel goes down, they don't actually lock together. You bring a seaming machine down that inner lock in order to actually create a watertight crimp. And again, the nice thing about these panels is, you know, they, there are mechanically seamed panels approved for pitches as low as a quarter and 12. Uh, I mean, essentially flat roofs. And so that's kind of the two types of standing seam. And then you get into this third genre, which I guess the industry calls modular panels. I call it metal shingles, but um, most of the modular panels also use concealed fasteners. Um, and a lot of that's because, you know, they're higher and more expensive products. So you want to have everything be as weather tight and as long lasting as it can be. Um, but the modular panels are available in a variety of different looks. They've got panels out that look like uh, standard shingles. They've got panels that look like slate, wood shakes, tile. Um, one of the cool things that's happened in our industry in recent years is the development of paint finishes that are not monochromatic. So used to be if you bought a metal roof um, and it was a painted metal roof, it was going to be all brown or all green or whatever color you chose. Well, today we have a variety of what we call print coats uh, so that much like laminate flooring that you might use in a home, uh, you can have these variety of tones and shading on the roof to give maybe patterns that look like wood or patterns that look like asphalt shingle granules or probably the most popular type of pattern we see coming on right now is uh, various slate look products. Um, as we move toward some real trends toward a lot of the colors out there on the home envelope being white and black and gray and silver, uh, these slate colorations just really tend to enhance that very well. And so you called those panels. So is it like asphalt shingles where it comes and there's like a strip of shingles in a row or a large section or are they individual shingles? Well, that's a good point. Most of them do install similar to asphalt shingles from the bottom of the roof up uh, horizontally in courses. Um, now, as you look at different manufacturers and different profiles, there's a wide variety of different sizes of panels. Some of the panels might be one foot exposure top to bottom and maybe two foot wide or three foot wide or four foot wide, but then they interlock on all sides. So both horizontally and on the side uh, laps, there's an actual, typically an actual interlock between the panels. And so the size of the panel isn't something a lot of folks even recognize when they just look at the roof, they just see the full uh, roof laid out and the panels are for most profiles installed in sort of a staggered fashion so you don't see repeat lines all over the place. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the way they work. Very similar to shingles. You, you fasten somehow typically along that uphill edge and then the next course of shingles comes in, locks over that and covers those previous fasteners. 
Very cool. Very cool. Um, so something that is obviously important, we talked about longevity of our buildings, but um, two things, which is what's the recycled content of traditional metal roof? And is it different depending on the style that you have? And um, to the recyclability. So if we have to take it off the roof, what can people do with it? Um, but one question before we get into that, because I completely forgot while we were talking, but you were talking about the variegated paint colors and stuff on the, um, to get the slate tiles and stuff, which is, which is really awesome. Cause you're right. When you think metal roof, you think monochromatic, same color, uh, of roofing, but when they go to paint that, right. So say after a 40 or 50 years, is there any kind of availability of paints in the future or will then it become a monochromatic sort of roof because painting by hand once you're on you know right. on a job site is not as flexible you know right now everything would be monochromatic at that point and uh, i'd mentioned earlier the chemistry of paint that's used a lot pvdf um, well there is an air dry version of that so any repainting would best be do done with that same grade of finish in order to get the most durability out of it. Um, but, you know, it's interesting you say that because you look at, you can even go to a big box and buy spray paint that has a crackle coat that once it dries, you see these. And, and I have to think 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, that will probably exist on the types of finishes that would be used on the exterior of a building also. Well, I have to think about it too. You think about sort of the sprayed, um, you know, EPDM type right. stuff too, is that maybe there's some kind of paint plus sealant, right? That helps with this roof has been installed for however many years. Maybe this is wishful thinking and maybe that's going to be a horrible product uh, environmentally or whatever. I don't know, but you know, it makes you kind of think that, oh, I got to go and paint this roof. And just thinking about painting a roof versus, um, you know, a we just wrote a book called the pretty good house. And we were talking about, you know, simple forms and stuff. And I look at some of these houses that somehow over the last 20, 30, 40 years, I don't even know how long we've gotten kind of into this whole complicated roof system. And I keep thinking, Oh, those poor people that have to re-roof these roofs. So painting, it seems like a better, better option. Well, and, and you're right. It's funny because um, so often it seems like metal is being used on the very complex geometry roof designs that we see a lot. And a lot of that reason is, you know, someplace along the line, someone's saying, well, I don't care what I put up there. The bulk of the cost is going to be labor. So I might as well put something up that I'm not going to have to redo in 15 years or 20 years or something like that. But right. Right. So anyway, the question <laughs> before I totally sidetracked us was about recycled right. content in traditional metal roofing and then the recyclability of it. Yeah. You know, what, where does it go when it comes off the roof? If it, if somebody just doesn't like it, has to take it off, you know, sure. can't match it. Cause right. You talked about UV and that's one thing with, um, you know, it's wonderful, all the different variety of colors, but if you would try to match a roof that's been on a roof for <laughs> 20 years, you're very unlikely to find that particular color plus the UV uh, fade that it's had to it. But Right. Well, those are great questions. And um, so let's kind of start with the recycled content question first. So most of the 
steel roofs used today um, have about 35% recycled content. And so roofing is a great place to use recycled content metal because especially if it's an architectural product, you don't necessarily need the exact properties that you would need say in a aeronautical use of metal or something like that, uh, where you really had to meet certain exact needs. So um, most of the metal roofs out there take advantage of recycled content. Um, like I said, steel is typically 35%. The steel industry is working really hard to figure out how to get that bumped up even to 40 or 45%. And, you know, as a country, we've been good for a number of years at recycling and reusing aluminum. We haven't been quite as good at steel because frankly, the scrap rates are lower. So there's not as many people out there trying to collect it and, and recycle it. But when you get into aluminum roofing, it's actually um, typically about 95% recycled content. Um, so a metal roof really can be a great way to close the recycling loop. Copper roofs um, are more along the lines of steel. Copper is typically in that 35% recycled range. And then as far as, um, you know, at the end of the roof's useful life, um, these metals are all 100% recyclable. Uh, so, uh, and in fact, you know, again, with aluminum and copper, there's a pretty good scrap price for them. Uh, steel is higher than it has been, but it's still fairly low. Um, the, the one type of metal roof that's available, and I hadn't touched on this yet, is a product called stone-coated steel. So there's actually people making these steel shingles I spoke of and then putting aggregate coatings on them very similar to the stones that are on asphalt shingles, but they apply them to a steel base rather than a paper base or a fiberglass mat base. And so those are good products. Because of the stones though, I don't know of any recycling programs for those products. Yeah, that was what I was gonna ask. And so it's good that you brought up that stone base because you can kind of see how that would be more challenging to separate the materials. Because right. my question was gonna be, you know, so paint, on a metal roof really has no effect on its recyclable content. So, you know, like you look at different types of recycling and it doesn't work because it's got food scraps in it or it's got right. whatever. But so paint is not a hindrance to recycling the metal roof. Correct. So what happens when they melt down the metal, uh, the, the paint all ends up, of course it liquefies, but it all ends up ending up on the top of the metal. It floats to the top and is what they call slag. And it's just skimmed off and, and disposed of at that point. Now, a portion of it also is just going to burn off. And that's the reason they have incinerators on the ovens and so forth as well. But. Yeah, so that's probably the one downside to metal roofing, um, not that it's not recyclable or even with uh, new material is that it has to take a certain amount of energy to heat it Absolutely. up enough to turn it back into its natural form or liquid form, right, to then roll it out into a panel or a shingle or, a, you know, whatever part that you have. And so, um, across the board, are you familiar with any of the metal manufacturers that are trying to do more with how or where their energy comes from to try to reduce their carbon impact, right? Because they just have to make a lot of BTUs wow. in order to get it into a liquid form or a malleable form. Yeah. And so that's been 
kind of a big, so say it is 95% recycled, you know, you're not pulling new content out of the ground, which, you know, is its own thing, but you know, are, are you familiar with that at all? Is the, are, is the metal industry talking about oh, this? Absolutely. Yeah. So a couple things I'll say on that. Um, aluminum, because of its much lower melting point, um, has much less embodied energy. And I don't have the statistics at hand. I should have had them with me here today, Emily, but it has much less embodied energy than creating aluminum out of raw aluminum bauxite. Um so there's a huge, huge benefit there. Um, steel with its higher melting point though, there's still a lot of embodied energy that goes in even when you're using recycled content. So last week at these meetings I was at, one of our speakers was a uh, very knowledgeable gentleman from uh, US Steel. And he reviewed some, st- some recent data showing the strides that have been made by the U.S. steel industry in terms of less embodied energy in their metal. And he showed statistics compared to any other steel producing country in the world. And by a margin of like almost half, um, we were far, far more efficient than any other country um, in terms of the amount of energy it is taking. And you know, he said, this is something that we are constantly working on and, and constantly trying to improve. So, um, you know, and they've tried a, a lot of different things. Of course, you know, a lot of metal mills historically have been located in areas where they took advantage of um, hydropower um, has been very common. That's reason a lot of old river towns had steel mills, um, but they've also started working a lot more now with, I believe it's called electric arc furnaces. Um, and different ways that are not necessarily uh, as unfriendly as some of the old ways of producing energy. And they also find with those types of furnaces there again, uh, they simply don't, uh, they, they can get the furnace up to temperature much faster. And so that means things happen quicker and just a lot of benefits. But uh, yeah, he was very knowledgeable. That would, that would probably be a fun guest for you to have sometime, uh, someone from the steel industry. And I'd be happy to make those connections, but absolutely that's something they're always working on. Yeah, I would, I would love to have that connection. I'm always interested in, you know, broader outside picture of just what we're doing, right? Because if you think of it on just a tiny scale, we're making a very tiny impact. But if you think of it on this much broader scale, then, you know, how, how is that, that controlled? And so it actually sounds to me, is aluminum then just more popular in the residential markets than steel roofs, one for cost and two, because of its recyclability or is there a pro or con to using one over over the other longevity i, I mean obviously there seem to be pros to definitely using aluminum um based on what you're saying if you're really concentrating on um you know the embodied carbon right. at the time of of recycling it or or uh you know producing it but if it only lasts half as long, then, you know, we're back to that original yeah. question. And so, so I'm assuming there are obviously pros and cons to each different type. There really are. And so, so aluminum actually is the more expensive of the, of the two. So uh, an aluminum roof, um, depending upon the product profile, will be more costly than a steel roof. Um, additionally, 
uh, nice benefit of aluminum is it will never rust. So we talked earlier about the importance of maintaining a roof and if that paint finish wears thin down the road, replacing it. Um, with steel roofing, that's pretty important because if the bare carbon steel gets exposed, it'll start to rust. A nice benefit of aluminum is it will never rust. Um, so the maintenance doesn't become as critical to the life of the product. Um, but again, you got an extra cost. So my, you know, one of the things I will often talk about is if someone is in a coastal area, either salt or brackish water, um, if they're within a couple miles, we will not even sell them a steel product. Um, we just feel so strongly that aluminum is the only way to go in that, in, in that case. Likewise, if someone is, uh, let's say, in the mountains around Lake Tahoe, uh, where they get 40 feet of snow every winter, um, the extra strength of steel can be beneficial in those areas. And so there are cases in those areas where we will recommend steel as being the way to go. Um, much of the country, I kind of leave it up to the consumer and we kind of try to lay out the pluses and minuses of both and including the, uh, the carbon issue. Um, we also look, you know, obviously at the cost of both, um, but we kind of leave a lot of it up to the consumer. Now, one of the nice things about, uh, I would say both copper and aluminum because they are more malleable than steel some of the fancier design products, some of those shake products and things that I mentioned are typically gonna be aluminum, um, especially the, the uh, what shall I say, the more detailed ones. Yeah. So is metal roofing um, regionally produced or is there like a specific part of the country where we make more metal roofing? Uh, so, Right now, metal has, um, in, the, in the residential arena, metal, uh, according to the most recent statistics from FW Dodge, had about a 15% market share, and those were the 2020 figures. Uh, 2021 figures have not been released yet. So we had about a 15% market share. Certainly, if you look at that across the country, there are regions much stronger than others. Um, the mountain states have been fairly popular for, for metal. And I think part of that's been architecturally driven, just wanting the look uh, of a metal roof. But likewise, when you take coastal areas, um, metal roofs have been very popular there in terms of hurricane resistance. You know, you go out west and you look at the Paradise Fire and the rebuilding that's been going on after that fire in the North Bay area. And a lot of those homes have been choosing metal roofs. Um, historically out there, they've used a lot of tile roofs, which tile is also fire resistant, but it's also very heavy. So if fire gets inside the structure, that roof is very likely to collapse. And so that's not a good thing. Um, so we, we generally see the demand for metal being sort of driven by weather extremes. Um, but, you know, by the same token, you're seeing people all over who are simply opting for metal because they've seen it on various television shows and the internet and so forth. As far as the production of it, um, the big thing I would go back to is standing seam roofing um, because you're oftentimes running panels that go from the bottom of the roof up to the top. So they might be 30, 35, 30, 40 foot long. Um, that can be pretty costly if you're shipping those very far. 
And so we typically have, or we have seen standing seam become fairly regional in terms of production. A, a manufacturer may serve a couple hundred mile radius with that type of product. Um, the metal shingles, the modular panels, um, on the other hand, tend to be produced more na nationally and shipped any place because uh, they get packed in cardboard cartons and put on pallets and stretch wrapped and they can go any place easily. Yeah. So I think that you made uh, some interesting points too there. You started with mountain towns and it made me think of the Northeast and we like metal roofing because the snow doesn't stick to sure. it, um, yep. <laughs> which is both a pro and a con. Absolutely. Um, yes. the, the pro is that it doesn't stick to it. So you don't have to worry about weight and collapse. I mean, we've got 90 pounds per square foot snow loads in some places, you know, some even higher than that. Um, but at the same time, when it lets go, it all lets go at the same time. So as far as being an architect and a designer, you have to be really careful about where your snow is going to go Absolutely. if you have yeah. a um, if you have a metal roof, right? It's it's hopefully not going to drop in front of the front door for multiple reasons. One, you want to be able to get out if the snow wall comes off the roof, but two, you also don't want somebody to be coming right. to your house and then have a whole pile of snow um, drip on there, or you know. Uh, I'm always really conscious about which direction the roof line in front of the garage goes, because if you have a metal roof and all the snow drops in front of your garage door, it's a, a lot harder to deal with. Yeah. And so um, I thought it was really interesting that you brought up something, you know, where you talked about resiliency a lot, which is that metal roofs in fire prone areas or metal roofs in hurricane prone areas or metal roofs. Um, you know, I'm in Maine, so we're in a coastal area. We have a lot of coastline metal roofs as a way of addressing, you know, coastal areas, which is just the, the lifespan of anything that's associated with salt water. You know, it is just that metal roof is going to last that much longer than, you know, your, your asphalt shingle panels. So what other impacts do metal roofs have that we haven't talked about? Because I feel like we've talked about all kinds of things, and this is so exciting. I love talking about, you know, products and their and their part in our industry. Yeah, I think energy efficiency is the other one we haven't really touched on. So, um, a number of years ago, um, this goes back about twenty years ago. Uh, there was development where the paint systems used on metal roofs have reflective pigment in them, and so historically. I don't care if it was metal or what it was. If you wanted a reflective roof, you had to have a white roof. I mean, you you know, and that was the reason you'd see a lot of white roofs being used in tropical and subtropical areas. Well, several years ago, um, new pigments came out that that were quickly adopted by our our industry that would get you pretty high rates of reflectivity even in dark colors. Um, now, white is still going to be far better. Um, but we were doing quite, we're doing quite a bit better with the dark colors. And so that was what caused the US DOE to kind of have Metal Roof catch its eye. And that was when they developed the Energy Star program for metal roofing. And basically the Energy Star requirement was at least 25% reflectivity. And basically with these, what we called cool colors of metal roofs, we could hit 25% reflectivity even in black. So it's interesting, uh, the DOE recently did away with Energy Star on metal roofing. In fact, it happened this month. 
um, because they said, you know, all the products meet it. There just isn't any reason to rate it at this point because everyone basically is the same. Um, but then also after that, there was, of course, a federal tax credit. Uh, one of the 25C tax credits was for reflective roofing, which metal roofing met that need extremely well. But, you know, I always tell folks that's kind of what put us on the map in terms of energy efficiency. But even before those reflective pigments were developed, we knew that metal was more energy efficient than other roofing options because we heard it from customers all the time. And we had some study done back in the 80s by Florida Solar Energy Center uh, that our company had done. And one of the things they came back and really um, talked a lot about was the fact that when you take a metal shingle or one of these modular panels, very little of the metal actually rests on the roof deck. And of course, as we know from thermal bridging and conduction of heat, one of the biggest ways heat gets into structures is just simply by conduction. Uh, whatever's closest to the sun gets hot and anything it touches is gonna get hot too. And so when you take these metal shingles and you separate or you build a thermal break in between the metal and the roof deck, um, we were getting some pretty amazing test results out of Florida Solar Energy Center. And in fact, they, one of the statistics they cited back in the late 80s was you are behaving very similar to putting about an R13 insulation uh, on top of the roof um, just by putting a metal roof up there. And so that's been another reason we get the energy efficiency is by putting building thermal breaks into these products. And you can do that with standing seams. So every once in a while you'll see a standing seam job going up and instead of putting it right on the roof deck, they're putting it on horizontal lath board or battens. And part of the reason for doing that is to get that thermal break for, for energy efficiency. Um, and then of course, finally too, uh, metal roofs adapt very well to various types of exhaust ventilation on the roof um, so that uh, if we do get heat gain into the attic, we can quickly exhaust it back out, taking advantage of just convective airflow. Yeah, so I want to go back one one prior statement. Or you were talking about the the strapping on the roof because sure. that's actually something that we get a pushback from a lot from our metal roofers is that they don't want to put it on the strapping. I think they're concerned about you know, the oil canning and stuff uh, across, across the board. And so basically what I'm hearing from you is that it's perfectly fine if it's done correctly. Well, okay. Uh, it has its benefits. I am not a huge fan of strapping. I have to admit um, what I find is it does make the roof harder to walk. Um, it potentially could also add to the potential for wind uplift problems, but these are still wind resistant products. Um, I'll tell you a product that I really like um, underneath standing seam is some of the entangled meshes, very similar to what you might use on some of the rain screen on walls. Um, but some of the entangled meshes, uh, I really like them. So if you put down a synthetic underlayment um, or even a breathable synthetic underlayment, if you want, and then entangled mesh on top of that, and then standing seam, you're getting that thermal break underneath the standing seam, um, but yet it's not the same as battens where you've got, you know, just select spots you can walk with the entangled mesh. You can, you still walk the roof the same as you normally would. 
Yeah, that's a really interesting idea. I hadn't really thought about that, but it's a great way to get a separation without it being, you know, just kind of those individual. It's really is just a mesh and it's, you know, compressible even if you did walk on yeah. it, but it's only, you know, a quarter of an inch thick or something. Um, I, I remember years ago, I was called in to inspect a roof. It was part of an insurance claim, but, you know, I, and th this was shame on me for not realizing this, but I stepped on this roof and I didn't realize it was on Perlins. I thought it was on solid deck. And, you know, I quickly realized it wasn't. Um, but, you know, and, and that was shame on me. I should have done my due diligence and realized before I set foot on it. But, you know, that's a reality. How many people, if they're getting up to do maintenance on something on a roof, check to see how that roof is fastened. Right. I think as, as our buildings get more complicated, I know, you know, in recent years, we have had to provide um, the the code enforcement with a sheet that goes on our electrical panel that kind of says how our houses are built, right? This is more related to structural things and trusses and stuff, right. you know, especially for, for firefighters, you know, if it, they have open web framing or if they've got TJIs or whatever, you know, during a fire, people aren't going to go in and step on that. But, it, but it's interesting that you said that is like, you were out there for a specific reason and you were like, you know, didn't, didn't quite think through that. But you were out there specifically for that and roofing and, and didn't, you know, what about the people who are just doing right. maintenance or a firefighter who's mm. there, right? People aren't going to, to know to look for those things, this right? This is my industry. I should have known better, but most people would not think twice of it. Wouldn't think twice about it, right? Because it's not their industry. It's not what they're there for. It's not for, you know, whatever reason. And so I think that there's a lot to be said for how we construct things for, usability by everybody in the future or say, you know, the first homeowner, uh, built the house and then they sold it. Right. Cause we have a tendency to only stay in our houses for five to eight years. The next person doesn't know, right. They don't know what to maintain. And then they call somebody cause they want to put in a new chimney or they want, who knows, they want to do something and someone gets on the roof and they don't know, right. They don't know to look. And so, how we convey that information, I think, is really important. We've talked about, you know, owner's manuals for the equipment and the and the stuff that they have on their house. You know, it might include how frequently you should paint your metal roof, but would that include that your metal roof also has strapping underneath it? So you should beware to anybody who climbs on the roof. So it's it's just so interesting how complicated and yet interesting building is. Yeah. Um, you know, whether we're whether doing something for efficiency purposes or whether it's just, you know, new materials that have come out or, you know, work in different ways. And so I really appreciate you uh, coming on and talking about metal roofs because this is, is definitely, you know, highlighting a material that we think has a place in our industry and is really interesting because you hear, you know, metals just having a much higher embodied carbon and yet, they're so much more recyclable. They last so much longer. Is there a reason that we should be doing something else so that we can use these materials and that your industry is pushing for better ways to provide these materials to us? And that's what I like to hear about. Yeah, so yeah, I appreciate absolutely. you coming and sharing that with yeah, me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, that, that is a reality too, even in terms of the regional manufacturing of standing seam again, getting the product closer to where it's going to be used. So um, much, much cheaper and less energy involved in shipping coils of metal than there is 
long sheets of formed roofing. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, thank you, Todd. I really appreciate it. I'll make sure that your information gets up in the show notes so people can follow up and check out your company and all the cool things that you guys are doing. Um, I really appreciate you uh, sharing your knowledge um, with me today. So thank you for coming on. Well, thank you. You've been a great host. This uh, I've really enjoyed it. This has been good. I love what you're doing. If you enjoyed this month's podcast, it's fun to talk about materials that we use frequently, maybe why we use them, and just some industry updates on how the industry is changing to get closer to our carbon goals and our energy goals and our longevity goals. So thanks for tuning in this week. If there's something you'd like to hear, send me an email, emily at matramarch.com. Otherwise, like, share, and we'll see you next month. <laughs>